Hi, and welcome to our latest episode of the SSP Early Career Publishing Podcast. I'm Sarah Grimmer, joining from my home in London, and I'm joined by Meredith Adenolfi, joining from Boston. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Sarah. As always, thank you to SSP for enabling us to do this podcast. We're really looking forward to today's discussion. We're going to be speaking with Isa Akenga from the Arctic University of Norway and Willa Tavernier from the Herman B. Wells Library at Indiana University to discuss the function of the academic library and how we as publishers can support the library and its academic customers, who are, of course, our customers. Meredith, is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to exploring today? Yes, we're going to be hearing two different perspectives, and I'm really looking forward to hearing how these two experts would describe the role of libraries in the publishing environment, which is quite complex, and also how they will describe the relationships with the other players in the industry and what those interactions look like. What about you? I'm really looking forward to discussing how we as publishers can better support the goals of the library and how we can work together more closely. So let's get started. First up is Isa. Welcome, Isa. Hi, thanks. It would be great to get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself. What is it that you currently do within the library environment? I work as an open access advisor at UAT, the Arctic University of Norway, at the University Library. And my job is uh, research and publishing support. So I'm coordinator of the university's open access journal publishing service, and I advise uh, researchers on copyright and licensing issues when it comes to their publications and also with regard to research data. Yeah, and other open access related uh, issues in research and publishing. Thank you so much for that explanation. I suspect we could probably do an entire podcast on on what you do just within open access. Um, For now, let's move on to the wider sense of what libraries do. And it would be great if you could actually tell us, what do libraries do? Well, there are different types of libraries, but in the context of the scholarly publishing podcast, the most relevant are probably libraries associated with research institutions. I myself am employed at a university library in the Department of Research and Publishing Support, so I feel that I can only speak on behalf of these libraries. Well, not all of them, but to a greater degree than for public libraries and school libraries. A university library supports researchers, lecturers and students by providing literature resources, by providing training and infrastructure necessary for research, education and study. And the the library alliance's strategy with that of the university, helping the university to achieve its strategic goals. Uh, For example, UIT, the Arctic University of Norway, aims to promote development in the North, economic, cultural and social development through building knowledge and human capital. There are many ways in which my library helps the university in, in this mission. For example, my library has a special responsibility to promote knowledge about the Arctic and about the Sami and Kven languages and cultures. So the recent activities that my library has undertaken in this area include an exhibition of several centuries old maps of the Arctic region, digitization of a journal of Kven research, and um, ah, and the launch of Open Polar, which is a search portal for openly accessible publications and research data about the Arctic and the Antarctic. I should also mention there's another important strategic goal of UAT is to be at the national forefront in open science with research data and publications being made openly available whenever possible. So 
In the current strategy period, my library is exploring and developing digital solutions and services that make it easy for the university's employees and students to make their research results openly available. I find this phenomenal. I mean, I've been in the industry for years and I myself have never put together the work that the library does in, in supporting what you're saying about culture in the North, for example, and supporting knowledge and understanding of the Sami. And I suspect for a lot of our listeners, they will actually have the same revelation in how much the library actually does. So is it therefore fair to say that you really are doing significantly more than just supporting the university and the researcher? You are actually really supporting much of what the country's objectives are. Probably. It sounded a bit grand when you said it, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I would say so. (laughs) Probably, yes. It's also important to mention that libraries do not work individually. They don't work on their own, right? They cooperate and exchange knowledge through projects and consortia networks and associations. So I guess in, in North America, you have SPARC, the Scholarly Publishing and Academic Resources Coalition. Here in Europe, we have LIBER, which is the Association of European Research Libraries. So they also help individual libraries a lot with, with their strategies and help them issue different recommendations on how these strategies are to be fulfilled. So just thinking very much about research output, why are libraries important to research output in the research process? Libraries provide infrastructure tools and services. So infrastructure to host research outputs and uh, tools and services to be used in the research process. So a library provides access to books and journal collections after having acquired the literature or negotiated subscriptions with journal publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a library also sustains digital infrastructure for other research outputs, such as electronic archives for theses and dissertations, okay. open repositories for publications by universities' employees, research data archives, and, and publishing platforms for journals and books. Why libraries are important is that because they have to ensure that this infrastructure is up to date and that the yep. resources kept there are findable. So libraries Uh, library staff engage in technical development, metadata curation, and user support. Libraries also help researchers in in their research process, for example, by providing training on research integrity and correct use of sources and literature search for systematic reviews, Mm -hmm. by organizing courses in research data management, and, and also by helping researchers introduce new practices into their research processes, such as electronic lab notebooks. Yeah, so... Libraries are important to research output and research process because it's a library's mission to preserve a university's research output and support researchers in their work. And so I think the remit is a little wider than perhaps our listeners, and certainly I would suspect in, for example, things such as helping with electronic notebooks. Are there other ways that libraries support scholarship beyond what we might think of in terms of books, journals, data sets? I think this is the main way, probably. And I guess that by providing infrastructure and services, libraries help researchers free up time for mm. uh, for doing science. So if right. a researcher can manage her references and do good literature search and so on, she can use her time better to, to make a contribution to scholarship. And so libraries contribute indirectly here too. And in terms of what publishers do and what publishers bring to the table, what's the relationship between libraries and publishers? 
so there has been tension in the relationship between libraries and, and big journal publishers in the last decades due to the open access movement. Increases in subscription costs for scholarly journals have long strained libraries' budgets and forced libraries to cut their budget shares for books and for journals from smaller publishers. And big deals, non-disclosure agreements in subscription negotiations, long embargoes on self-archiving and rising article processing charges have not contributed to ease this tension. And another trend that is worrying libraries is the ongoing process of consolidation, where a very small number of powerful commercial players are dominating the research enterprise. And an example of this is the Clarivate ProQuest merger that was announced on the 1st of December this year. And Spark, the Scholarly Publishing and Academic Resources Coalition, had tried to work against this merger. And now they have issued a statement where they declare that mergers like this one are not in the best interest of the research community because they result in fewer options and higher prices for libraries. And I guess there is less tension in the relationship between libraries and book publishers and, and smaller journal publishers. But still there is some skepticism from the library side towards publishers, I would say. And whenever there is a new service that is being offered by a publisher, libraries have to think about sustainability of this publisher, the real costs, whether there is a risk of vendor lock-in and so on. So I would say that transparency is an important factor in building better relationships between libraries and publishers, humanizing the opponent, I would say, providing a face to the email sender. It tends to help people find common ground. Absolutely. And I think that leads on to the question, how can publishers better, therefore, enable the goals of the library or better work together beyond, as you say, the, the humanization and, sh and showing the face behind mm. what's going on? At the moment, uh, I think that the main measure is uh, working towards open access. And uh, in this, publishers should work both with individual libraries and with library associations. So, for example, publishers should work together with libraries on creating good workflows for open access publishing. At the moment, there are uh, a lot of read and publish agreements uh, that libraries have with different publishers. And when the university's employees experience difficulties in publishing workflows, they contact the library. So I would recommend that publishers get a library's input on optimal workflows in read and publish agreements. And um, also library associations are very important players that publishers should engage with. And I guess they are probably. So for example, Liber, the, the Association of European Research Libraries, has published five principles for negotiations with publishers that Liber's members are advised to follow. And so publishers should look at these five principles so that they know what they're dealing with. I think that engaging with library associations such as Labor and Spark would allow publishers to better understand libraries' goals and concerns, and it would help them to work better together with the libraries. Thank you so much, Isa, for the time that you've taken to answer these questions. This has been tremendously helpful, and perhaps we'll talk at another point in the future. Thank you. It was lovely to be here. And on to our next guest. So let's get started with our second guest, Willa. And Willa, thanks for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It would be great if we can start by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. 
I am the Research Impact and Open Scholarship Librarian at Indiana University Bloomington. I work in the main library, the Herman B. Wells Library, in the Scholarly Communication Department. I actually came to this institution straight out of library school, and I've been here for just over three years. I started in September 2018. This is a second career for me, and I previously was a practicing lawyer for about 17 years before that. So it's been a very interesting change. Oh, thank you for that. That is very interesting. One other thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of your background, I know that you were an SSP fellow earlier in your library career. So can you just talk briefly about that program and what it did for you in your career? Certainly. So the SSP Fellowship allowed me to attend the San Diego Conference. And the conference was very different in the way it tackled issues in scholarly communication than library conferences that I had been to. There was, of course, a different perspective because it was a mix of libraries and publishers presenting or folks from libraries and publishers. And also there were people presenting from the researcher perspective. So I thought that was very valuable as well. I was paired with a mentor as part of that program. And I found that really useful because I had someone outside of my own institution to talk to about possible career trajectories, about her own approach to professional development, and just generally things that were happening in the library space, in the scholarly communication space, and also in the library education space. Great. Thank you. You made a lot of really interesting points there. One point I appreciated was what you said about just coming into the industry new and going to a conference that was sort of outside your normal circle and therefore being kind of exposed to the different elements of the industry, which is pretty much exactly what we kind of try to do with this podcast for early careers, try to get them to know a little bit more about the foundations that are important to build their career on. So with that in mind, let's transition into some of the specific library questions. And I want to start with a really basic one, which is just if you can tell us what libraries do. The way I see it, library workers and libraries support curiosity. You may ask about or expect to hear things about the research enterprise and the scholarly communication system and excellence in teaching and learning and so on. All of that is true, but underlying all of those things, when we strip away all of the formalized processes of course requirements and degree requirements, publishing requirements and tenure and promotion and so forth is a very basic principle. Someone wants to know or know more about something. So that's essentially curiosity. Academic libraries support that in the academic sphere. And you'll notice that I also started off by saying library workers and libraries because you can't have a library without library workers. And a lot of the time when we talk about libraries, we think of the spaces, the technology and the systems and the databases and the collections and so forth. 
But none of that happens without people, actual living, breathing people who are turning on the lights and sweeping the floors and stacking the shelves, but also building the systems, improving the technology, making a whole array of decisions and setting priorities and thinking about library users' needs, building relationships, including with publishers, and investing in the scholarly communication system. There's a lot to be done to keep track of changes in the research enterprise and in scholarly communication in particular. There's been so much recent research just about the acceleration since the digital turn of uh, tools and resources that that surround the research enterprise. And of course, that also means for libraries, making decisions about how we expend our resources, advocating for for more resources, and just, just keeping track of all of this. So there's a lot that libraries and the workers in libraries do and why we're important to the research process. Thank you for bringing up that point about libraries are not just buildings, they're not just stacks of of books and journals. That, I think, is really important as we talk about the different functions that libraries play and the people who are in them helping to play those functions. You mentioned the research enterprise a bit there and just how that's sort of gotten to be more of a focus um, just in terms of the acceleration of what's out there. Can you talk a little bit more about how libraries support research output and why libraries are so important in that way? Yes, certainly. There are a few things that come to mind. So one is the warehousing of ideas. There's a lot of disciplines and sub-disciplines in academic research, in addition to which scholarship and research are becoming increasingly interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary. And researchers need access to the ideas that are out there. They need access to information that they might not even have been aware at the point of starting their research that they would need it. But it's very common once you start to research, you come upon something that you hadn't thought about, but turns out to be critical. And almost invariably, someone has produced research on it, or different persons have researched different aspects. So there's that information provision. And even when there's not something else already out there, libraries still support this because the access that we provide to things like bibliometric databases can show the gaps in research and where there's an opportunity for someone to do some sort of research that hasn't been done before. So that's pretty important. And Library workers enable all of that through a variety of means. It's the vast print and electronic holdings, and we're integrating those with seamless and easy-to-use location services, whether for physical collections especially. We also hold massive auxiliary storage facilities, and we also enable interlibrary loan to support just-in-time access to information. So even if we don't have it in our own collections, we can get it so that researchers can do their work. Another thing libraries do is study user behavior and try to improve search and discovery on their platforms and try to ensure interoperability and meet researchers where they are. Because the library maintains a lot of databases that have very specific ways 
for you to search them. But if a researcher is using Google Scholar to search, we still want them to be able to find what's already in their library. So that's something that's linked together. And then we can think of in terms of research output specifically, we're also helping researchers track how their output is being used and built on. Research information is something that libraries also help researchers with, just tracking and measuring their impact. And libraries have also been very strong partners, and I would even say leaders in open science and open access publishing and library-led publishing as well, and championing not just open, but also equitable scholarly communication practices. So this is in terms of designing and implementing ways that anyone can have access to research, but also researchers within libraries, librarians who are doing research on how you involve communities who are the subjects of research and how that research is produced and how that research should be accessed. So we're trying to make sure that researchers, no matter their location and circumstances, have access to information, but also access to publication opportunities. Our library, certainly with help from our Office of the Vice President for Research, funds open access publishing. Also, we negotiate some publication deals with publishers. And as you may be aware, the library publishing movement has also been very important and growing in that space. And libraries participate at different levels, whether it's just hosting journal platforms are providing end-to-end publishing services. Thank you so much. That was such a great summary. And I think it's very clear from everything you're talking about just how much libraries do and how many different areas they touch. One thing I want to touch on a little bit more for my next question is just the partnership piece that you talked a little bit about. So I want to talk about the relationships that libraries have. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between libraries and publishers? Certainly. So libraries and publishers work together to disseminate scholarship. The publishers, of course, are the the primary stop for getting the primary product of research output, which is still the journal article, although that is changing and new forms of scholarship are being developed. And libraries, of course, in making their collection decisions and enabling the discovery on their platforms are also working to disseminate scholarship. It is still a primarily a vendor-customer relationship, however, and there are different ways in which publishers support libraries, for example, by helping fund professional development through sponsorship of conferences. That's just one example. But libraries are also pouring millions of dollars into the publishing enterprise by way of subscriptions or article publishing charges for open access publishing, as I mentioned before. I recognize that not all publishers benefit equally. There's research that shows that a very small group of publishers publish over 50% of scientific output. The, The relationship can sometimes be fraught because of that vendor-customer underlying relationship and given the levels of profit that the top publishers make, I know that there is a feeling in the library space that the continuing price increases for journals are not justifiable 
there's growing energy around addressing that. So in 2019, some researchers did a periodicals price survey that was Stephen Bosch, Barbara Albi, and Sion Romain. And then we also have people looking at the cost of journal use in the digital era, the oligopoly within academic publishing. But the thing is, given the high level of profits that some publishers are making, that enables them to produce a range of useful products and services. So publishing companies are also developing other tools like lab notebooks and research information systems and citation management systems and so on. So they've moved vertically along the academic work enterprise. Some of the issues that has arisen with that is that there's not a lot of interoperability between different systems and that creates lock-in. And we've had, again, from the library field, Alejandro Posada and George Chen um, a couple of years ago looking at inequality in, in knowledge production. So those are some pain points in the relationship and it's contributed to some of the energy that's been around open access and bringing scholarly publishing into the academy. And I think those are commendable, but also that we also have to be careful not to set up a false dichotomy in our heads that suggests that the academy has opposing interests from those of commercial academic publishers, because the reality is more complex and it's an interdependent system fueled, at least in part, by a common interest in return on investment. Prestige plays a big role in in the academy, and that's reflected in academic publishing. But there's also a common interest in producing high quality reproducible research. That's a great point. And thank you for that well-balanced view. I think that leads into the final question that I'd like to ask you, which is, given all of that, how do you think publishers can better enable the goals of libraries? And just how can libraries and publishers work better together moving forward? That's a great question. And thinking about that, I think to better work together, we have to see an alignment in values. So quality, as I spoke about, but also transparency, equity, accessibility, affordability is a big issue that comes to mind. And accountability for some things like how data that's collected on publisher platforms is used So ideally, we would want a scholarly communication system that conforms to all of those principles. And I think publishers and libraries can work together on that because, you know, it comes down largely to infrastructure and governance. We're working within the same system and we want to do things like determining what standards govern openness, interoperability, functionality, security, and privacy, but also digital preservation. What are the standards that should be met? So libraries and library-led organizations have a history of developing standards to meet changing technological needs, and they're already playing a role in alerting academics to, to issues about data and about privacy that arises from use of platforms. Many publishers own these platforms and tools. So I think this is an area where cooperation can potentially be very fruitful. Talking about what are the goals of 
collecting some of this data? What are the goals? What are the standards that we build the platforms based on? This is an area that I think is good for cooperation, is ripe for cooperation. The other area that I think publishers and libraries can cooperate on is a problem that's common to both publishing and libraries, and both industries have admitted it. And this is the problem of historic exclusion of persons from marginalized groups. So that's another area that it could be beneficial for publishers and libraries to work together on. And we see some of that is happening already with C4DISC, for example. There are people in libraries who are working as part of that initiative. And it would be good to work together to implement solutions and perhaps also share stories of what's working, what's not, and why. So those are three things libraries and publishers can work together on. Values, infrastructure governance, and equity. Thank you. That's great. And that C4DISC, we can include a reference to that when we publish this episode. That's the Coalition for Diversity and Inclusion in Scholarly Communication. That's a really important body of work that's being done in a great opportunity for partnership. So thanks for highlighting that. I also really appreciated what you said about just the goals being the same and underlying it. We all want the same things. I think that's a really important point. So with that, I'm going to thank you, Willa, so much for taking the time to be here and having this conversation. We really appreciate your insights. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed talking with you. We hope you've enjoyed hearing from Isa and Willa, who provided a great foundation and two very complementary perspectives for understanding the role and importance of academic libraries and the scholarly publishing ecosystem. Our sincere thanks to both of them for taking their time to speak to us about this dynamic topic. Thank you so much for listening and our best wishes for a happy new year and a successful 2022.